You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. Amen. So what would Jesus say about the coronavirus? I want you just to imagine with me right now that Jesus has come down to earth today. And he's walking around our world and he decides that he's going to go some places. And so he goes on to the internet. He goes on to the news. And this is what he sees. Killer virus. Corona. Chaos. Death. He hears the news. He sees the news. And then he goes out into the world. And he goes out onto the streets. And he goes to Costco. And he sees the lines that are endless. He finally gets in and he finds empty shelves. He looks at an article and he smiles when it says, don't be so shellfish. What's going on in this world? Jesus continues and he he gets out into the streets and he drives over here to Chinese Christian Church of Thousand Oaks. It's Sunday morning and oh my goodness, where are all the people? The church is empty. Now what's going to happen What's going on here? He leaves. He listens to the news some more. And and he finds out, oh, so this is why there's nobody at church. The government has told them to shelter in place. It's safer at home. And he nods. And he gives a little smile. Because indeed, Jesus would tell us to obey our government to obey our leaders. And so the first words that we would hear Jesus say to us this morning come from Luke chapter 20, verse 25, where it says, Jesus said, Then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And Jesus is addressing an issue of taxes. Some people are trying to trick Jesus, and they go, Well, do you, do you have to pay taxes, Jesus? And he holds up a coin, and he shows a picture of the, the emperor, and he says, Who's, whose image is on that? And they go, well, it's Caesar's image. And Jesus says, well, you can give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but give to God what belongs to God. God wants us, Jesus wants us to obey our government. Is represented there in the taxes. But Paul says the same thing in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. Paul says, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. And so God has given us authorities. That's why we need to be praying for them. That's why God's word tells us to pray for kings and those in authority. Because those are the ones that God has placed in those places. That we might have leaders to lead us. And so we've been praying for them. And we're trying to follow their examples. We're trying to obey what they tell us to do. And again, we want to make sure that we're doing the things that will help us the most. And so you've probably seen this on Google and on other places on the internet, but now it's up there. It's do the five. And the five with the five fingers are to remind us to wash our hands, um, to, if you're going to cough, to use your elbow. And actually, I also, I guess we're using our elbows to greet one another. Also, it's telling us, don't touch your face and make sure that there's space. So we're having this social distancing, which has been added to our vocabulary in the last couple of weeks. And lastly, if you feel you're sick, stay home. 
So this is good advice. God wants us to obey this good advice from our government. These are words that Jesus would say, listen to them. This is for your good. But what would Jesus say? What would Jesus say to us from the scriptures? This is what we're going to talk about today. Three questions we're going to answer is, what would Jesus say? And then why would he say this? And then lastly, how can we do what he says? Well, where you are right now, would you read with me out loud the scriptures of what Jesus says? Our scriptures for today are going to be taken from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. Let's read together. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So we begin here with Jesus' simple words. Do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. The word worry means anxiety. It, it means to be divided or separated or distracted. And this is what's happening when we begin to worry. Our English word worry comes from an old German word, which means to strangle or to choke. And this is what worry can do for us. It can strangle us. It can choke us. It can distract us. It can divide us. But Jesus says to us, do not worry. And as we read these words, we can understand that Jesus is talking to us because he knows that we, we do worry. He knows that we are concerned about our lives. He wants us to know that he cares. And so Jesus would say to you and to me, I care and I understand. I care and I understand what you're going through. I care and I understand because I have gone through similar things myself. Now, I don't think Jesus ever had a cold. That's my own personal view. But I do know that Jesus bore 
all of our diseases. The Bible tells us so. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, the Bible says, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now this is talking about the world's. This is talking about every single person. This is talking about you and me. That Jesus, when he died upon the cross, and even as he lived his perfect life, he bore our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He bore all of our diseases. Jesus did this for you and for me. He understands what we're going through. He understands. He knew it all upon the cross. He can sympathize with us. And he can empathize with us. And that's why he tells us, do not worry. But if you look at the very first word of verse 25, you'll notice that it says, therefore. And maybe if you've studied the Bible with teachers, maybe you've heard this before. I know I've heard it many times. But it said that whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, ask yourself, well, what is it there for? Why is it there? Well, in this case, Jesus is pointing to something that happened just before those verses. That's why he says therefore. Therefore means because of this. Well, what is the this? What happened before this? Well, before this, Jesus was talking to us about seeking heavenly treasures. He said, I want you to seek treasures that will last and not things that will be corrupted upon the earth. Jesus also said that we live in a world of darkness, but I want you to choose to live in my light. And right before verse 25, verse 24, Jesus says, no man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or will he be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So Jesus is telling us the therefore is that if you want to be my follower, because you have shown this by giving up seeking of earthly treasures, but you want to seek heavenly treasures, because you know you live in a world of darkness, but you want to live in the light, and because you don't want to be controlled by money, you don't want to seek money, but rather you want to serve God. Therefore, because you are doing these things, because you have a God who cares, and because you want to be my follower, do not worry. Because you are following me, you don't have to worry. Jesus is telling us these things. This is what he is saying. Now, it's not that easy, of course. It's hard. And Jesus, again, shows us that he understands because he tells us what we're not to be worried about is food, what we will eat, or drink, or about our bodies, what we will wear. Jesus understands that these are the basic things we worry about, the basic things we need. And we have seen that playing out over the last few weeks. And that's why the store shelves are empty, because people know they need food. And when people were starting to hoard things, what was famous on the internet was that people were taking water and toilet paper, the most basic of necessities. People know they need basic things to live. And so our shelves at our grocery stores are empty. 
The panic buying is what Jesus would warn us to not need to do. Buy, yes. Panic, no. Jesus knows that just as in the days when he lived on earth, when it was even then more difficult to have food and water because they were so dependent upon the weather. If it didn't snow up in the mountains, if they didn't get enough rain, there wouldn't be enough water in the ground. The wells wouldn't be able to suck it up. The crops would dry out. There wouldn't be enough food. The economy would be hurt. Jesus understands that we know that we need food and water and that that is even basic to those things that will allow us to have money to buy the things that we would wear that affect our economy. And again, we see this in the world as our economy has been greatly affected by what's been happening in the world because even the economy understands that having the very basic needs of life are so important for it to continue to grow. And if that source begins to shrivel up, then we will panic and we will worry. But Jesus says, I've got this. And if you want to follow me, I promise I will take care of you. Don't worry. Now, so far, he's just told us what to do. And I also think that Jesus would say, well, this is what to not worry about. Like, this is what we should not worry about. Um, there's a magazine called Mad. I had it when I was a little boy, and it's still around today, and you can see it on the Internet. And, and in Mad Magazine, there's a famous cartoon guy in there, and his name is Alfred E. Newman. And what he says in the magazine often is, what, me worry? Well, God doesn't want us to be like that. He doesn't want us to be naive. And so don't worry does not mean don't think. Don't worry does not mean don't prepare. Don't worry does not mean don't be careful. And don't worry does not mean don't follow instructions. But Jesus does tell us, do not worry. Worry is dwelling upon everything that can go wrong. But Jesus wants us to dwell upon the things that can go right. Jesus wants us to dwell upon the things that are already right. And so he's going to continue to teach us not only the what, but the why. Why we do not need to worry. And so as we go on into the scriptures, we see that Jesus tells us that we do not need to worry because he cares about our life and he cares about our body. Yes, he cares about our eternity. He cares about where we're going to go when we die. He ultimately cares about that. But make no mistake, he does care about our life on earth. As he even talks about it right here, he says, I care about your life, and I care about your body. He says, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Life is even more important than the things that are going on around us. He understands that. Life is very valuable to God, very important. Do you know what the, can you think about right now? Quick quiz, what's the sixth commandment of the Ten Commandments? What's the sixth commandment of the Ten Commandments? Raise your hand if you think you know. Okay, I'll call on you. Yes, you're right. It's right. It's thou shall not murder. 
Do not murder. God values life. God wants us to know this. He values life. Life is sacred. God also wants us to preserve our lives. In Psalm 143, David says, For your name's sake, O Lord, preserve my life. In your righteousness, bring me out of trouble. Even while we are on earth, God cares. And he wants us to preserve our lives. And not only our lives, but the lives of others as well. And we know that so well in one of the most famous stories that Jesus told about the Good Samaritan who cared about one who was beaten and hurt and sacrificed his own life to care for that person. And so Jesus wants us to know, and there are so many more scriptures that teach us this, that God cares, that Jesus cares about our life now, and he cares about our bodies. But Jesus also goes on and he tells us, we don't need to worry. Why? Because God takes care of his own. God takes care of birds and God takes care of flowers and we are more valuable to him than even them. Look again at verses 26 through 28. Look at the birds of the sky. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. God wants us to know that we are more valuable to him than even the birds. He gives us this promise that he will take care of us. He gave us a nature lesson here. He says, look, I took care of the birds. I take care of the lilies of the field. I want you to think about this. When Jesus says, look, the word look means fix your eyes upon. And I don't think he just means look at the birds and look at the flowers. I mean, that's pretty and that's nice. But I want us to consider what Jesus would say. Look at how I take care of all of the birds. Look at how I take care of all of the birds all over the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of species of birds throughout the globe. And I take care of them. And look how I take care of all the lilies of the field. Not just the pretty flowers that we see around us, but the flowers that grow at the highest mountains. Or even the flowers that grow at the lowest depths when they get a little bit of water. Even the flowers that grow in the ocean. God takes care of all of the flowers. He takes care of the lilies of the field. God takes care of us. He's telling us that he cares about us and that we are more valuable to him. He cares about everything that is around us and he takes care of his creation. And he takes care of us because we are his children and he is our heavenly father. But he also gives us a common sense reason for not worrying. He gives us a logical reason for not worrying. And that's in verse 27 where he says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Worrying won't extend our life, but it can shorten it. 
He wants us to not worry because it makes sense not to worry. Worry won't change anything. Worry won't fix anything. Worry will only continue to make us worry more. Worry feeds worry. And so he gives us the logic lesson. You don't need to worry because it's not good for you. He wants us to know that God is our heavenly father. He repeats that different times throughout these verses. We have a heavenly father. We have a logical reason to not worry. We have a reason from nature not to worry. And most of all, we have a spiritual reason to not worry. It's because we have a heavenly father who's going to take care of all of our needs. That's why we don't need to worry. And so Jesus has told us what? He's told us why, but now he tells us how. Maybe this is what we all are wondering. How can I not worry? And this is what Jesus is telling us right now. He's telling us these are the ways that we can learn to not worry. We can learn to not worry by seeking first God's kingdom. But seek first his kingdom, he says, and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom. So the first thing that we can do to learn how to not worry is by continually being seekers of the king of the kingdom who lives within his faithful followers. Would you say that with me where you are? How can we not worry? By being continual seekers of the king of the kingdom who lives within his faithful followers. Now let's look at that bit by bit. So first, God wants us to be continual seekers. He wants us to know that this is something that we are to do every day. We are to be continual seekers. Now, we can only seek God because he has first sought us. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to seek. The Bible tells us that God seeks for us, that he is seeking those who would follow him. He is seeking those who would worship him. He is seeking us like lost sheep. God is initiating that process. But God also tells us our part is to also seek. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. God wants us to be continual seekers. He's seeking us, but we are to be seeking him. Now, we are to be continual seekers of the king of the kingdom. This is who we are seeking. We are seeking the king of the kingdom. If there's a kingdom, there's a king. And so Jesus, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8, is spoken about. And there it says, about the son, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. And righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. Jesus is the son. And Jesus is on the throne. And Jesus has a scepter of his kingdom. And we are to be seeking the king of the kingdom. In Revelation chapter 17 verse 14. Speaking of the victory of Jesus. The writer says they will make war against the lamb. But the lamb will overcome them. 
because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers. And so we are seeking continually the king of the kingdom, and he lives within his faithful followers. The king of the kingdom lives within you and me if we are followers of Jesus. In Luke chapter 17, verse 20, it says, the king, the kingdom of God, does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is where? The kingdom of God is within you. The king of the kingdom lives within us. In John chapter 17, verses 22 and 23, it says, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. This is the spiritual truth of what Jesus is saying. Think about that. Jesus is saying, I am in them. But also think about this. Jesus is saying, and God is within me. This is Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17. And he is saying to his heavenly father, I know that you are in me. And heavenly father, I am in them. And so this is the first way that we can begin to not worry. Jesus tells us how we can do this. By being continual seekers of the king of the kingdom who lives within his faithful followers. So as we are seeking him, then what do we do? What happens once we find him? The Bible tells us that we are then to believe in him. How can we not worry? By believing and by trusting. By being believers who trust the king. So we are seekers and once we find him, we become believers. And being believers, we are trusters. In Mark chapter 1 verse 15, the Bible says, and these are Jesus' words, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe the good news. The king of the kingdom tells us to believe in him. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust or believe in God. Trust also in me. In some of our Bibles, the word trust is translated trust. In others, they are translated believe. It is the same word. God wants us to believe in him. God wants us to trust him in our hearts. And heart means middle. And to the Jews, it meant their thoughts, their feelings, and their minds. It was the encompassing of their being. And what Jesus is saying is, in your hearts, I know that you might have trouble. And that trouble word means to stir or to agitate. And the news in our world certainly is like a big straw stirring and agitating us, seeking to cause us to worry. Now, the news articles, maybe they're not thinking like, oh, we want to make people worry. But don't you worry more when you see the news? 
Don't you worry more as you listen to it? This is the message behind the message. This is the message of the world, to worry. Now, we learned last week that God has a way for us to overcome fear. And that is by faith, a faith that is greater than fear. But today what Jesus wants us to also have is to have a trust that is greater than trouble. To have a trust in him that is greater than trouble. This word trust means to give ourselves over to somebody else who is trustworthy. It is to assent to the authority of another person. It is to have inward certainty that they can do what they say. And so God wants us to both believe and to trust. And maybe you've heard of this this famous illustration, but it's still a great one, and it's a real one. It's from a true story. But it's a great story about how many of us do believe, but how we have to go the next step to trust. So we could say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he lived. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. I believe that he he went to heaven. I believe that he's going to come back on earth. I believe even that he lives in me. But we have to take it a step further. And I think in these days that we're living in right now, this is a great opportunity for us to learn to trust. To learn to trust. See, believing is the beginning But trusting is the fulfillment of that belief. And the illustration is this. In 1859, 1859, there was a famous tightrope walker whose name was Charles Blondin. And he pulled a rope over from the United States side of Niagara Falls to the Canada side of Niagara Falls. Now, today he wouldn't be able to do that because we're not letting anybody cross the border. Uh, But... Back then, he could. Well, he got onto that that high wire, and he walked across it. Now, many people believed that he could do it. Many people believed that he couldn't. They actually took bets to see if he would fall. And more bets fell on the side that he would fall than that he'd make it across. But he made it across. And he did it multiple times in 1859. But then there came another time that he said, I'm going to cross over the same rope, over Niagara Falls, not by myself, but with somebody on my shoulders. Now, we can believe, because we've seen him cross it before, that he can do it. But would you get on his shoulders? Would you get on his shoulders to show that you not only believe that he can make it across, but you believe in his words that he says, I can make it across with you on my shoulders. Well, there was one man who believed. And that was his agent, Harry Cocard. And here we have a picture of them crossing Niagara Falls in 1859. Charles Blondin and Harry Cocard crossing Niagara Falls. And Harry is clinging to Charles's What's interesting about this story is that there is also um, recorded what was happening there. And uh, when they got onto the wire, um, Blondin spoke to to Harry. And this is what he said. Harry, as we cross, this is what you must do. Look up, Harry. You are no longer Cocord. You are Blondin. 
until I clear this place, be a part of me, mind, body, and soul. If I sway, sway with me. Do not attempt to do any balancing yourself. If you do, we will both go down to our death. Think about what Harry said, what what Charles said to Harry. He says, Harry, don't look down. Look up. Hold on to me. But you are no longer yourself. Be a part of me. You're a part of my mind. You're a part of my body. You're a part of my soul. If I sway, you sway. But don't try to balance. Don't try to figure it out yourself. Don't do this yourself. Let me do all the work. That is a story of trust. Harry trusted that he was able to make it across because Charles told him he could. And he got on his back. And he became one with him, at least in part for that time, in his body. And he made it across. Now, spiritually, this is exactly what Jesus is saying to us. I want you to come to me and trust me. Your mind, your body, your soul. I want you to trust that I can do this. That I can carry you across this crisis of the coronavirus. I know you might believe that I can do this, but I call you and I ask you to trust that I can do this and get on my back. In the Bible, Jesus had another story about this. And it was a story about being a person who gets onto his yoke. In Matthew Chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Take my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To get on Jesus' back is to get into Jesus' yoke. To come to him is to trust him. To come to him is to know that he will give us all that we need for this day. He will see us through. And we must learn to live day by day. The last verse of Matthew chapter 6 says that we must seek the kingdom of God one day at a time. Because every day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus wants us to live one day at a time. Live today. Live Sunday. Right now. And then tomorrow, live Monday. Don't worry about Monday right now. Just take care of Sunday by coming to Jesus. Come to him right now. Trust him. Come to him. Jesus says in John chapter 7, verse 37 and 38, If anyone, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. If anyone is worried, let him come to me and drink. If anyone is fearful, let him come to me and drink. If anyone is uncertain, let him come to me and drink. Hold on to me. I promise I'll give you water. I'll give you the water that gives you life. 
I'll give you the water that gives you hope. I'll give you the water that gives you faith. I'll give you the water that will see you through this day. Again, if you've never come to Jesus, come to him now. Tell him you want him. Tell him that you will be his follower for all of your life. That you believe that he can carry you across this chasm of fear and death. You can believe in him, that he lived for you, that he died for you on the cross and bore all of your diseases, but that he not only was put into the grave, but that he rose again to life. And therefore, we can know that he has the victory over the grave and the victory over death. He has the victory over coronavirus and all of the fears and all the worries that it might bring. Come to him. I'm going to close in prayer, but then afterwards, you're going to see these questions. And I want to leave these questions up on the live, live stream for just a little while so you can talk about them with one another. But you can see the questions there, and you can read them after the prayer and encourage you that where you are, spend some time. Share your answers to these questions, and then pray together. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the words of Jesus who tells us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Heavenly Father, this is what we need to do. This is what we want to do. We want to come to you right now and cling to you, to be yoked together with you. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would take us and hold us close to yourself, that we might know that you are near. We pray for those who are listening now who want to be certain that indeed they are clinging to you. That by faith they would say, Lord Jesus, indeed, I come to you now to follow you, to trust you. To trust you meaning that I let go of my life into your hands into your care. I give my life to you. And Lord Jesus, for all of us, we come to you with the need for hope. Indeed, as we can say right now, in a very sick world. We come to you in need of hope for health, for healing, for protection. But most of all, Lord, for the grace that gives us faith in you, that indeed you will carry us, indeed you will help us, indeed you will hold us, indeed you will hug us, and you will see us to the end. Thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. Thank you for telling us that we don't need to worry that you've got this, that you are greater than all of our worries. 
You are the king of the kingdom, and we worship you. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. So we're going to leave this up. I think we're going to forego our closing song for today. And instead of that, we want to encourage you to um, answer the questions, to the answer these questions.